Welcome back to Prince the Pod. This is your host, Sam Prince. And with me today on a very special episode of Prince on Pod is former New York Giants legend, touchdown maker, Stephen Baker. And let me remind you, also Super Bowl 25 champion. Stephen, thank you for coming on with us today. Let's go Giants. Thank, thank you, man. Thanks for having me. And what an intro, man. I see you. Thank you. Yeah, trying to make my mark, trying to make a little iconic mark, you know, got to stand out from the rest. I like it. Thank you. Appreciate it. And Steven, when you were growing up, what made you fall in love with the sport of football? Well, it was a, a way to prove yourself, you know, being a little guy and growing up in uh, a hard neighborhood. You had to um, show people that you could stand up to them, man. So I played football with the older kids. They would be 16 years old. I'd be eight. They didn't care how much you weighed. And um I found that I could make them miss and, and I could run really fast and make them look silly when they were trying to hurt me. And you know what? I got to tell you, I still remember my very first touchdown when I got it. It made me that feeling. I said, Jesus, I want this feeling all the time. That's awesome. Were you always a wide receiver? Uh, yes, I always wanted to be. Actually, I wanted to be Walter Payton and Jim Brown, believe it or not. So when I played street ball, which means we used to play whoever gets the ball, gets tackled, kill the carrier or whatever. I used to hold the ball like Walter Payton and said that I ran like Jim Brown. <laughs> and um, so I didn't start playing wide receiver until I got to high school. And um, and I could already catch pretty good then. But I fell in love with the position because, you know, you didn't have to really be big. All you had to do is really be quick. And um I played defensive back until I came up and hit somebody and it was like running into a brick wall. And I said, you know what, that's not fun. So um, I never wanted to play defense, although I did play safety in high school. You want to catch the balls. <laughs> Absolutely, man. Cause um, tell you, there's no better feeling. And that's something you can work at on your own. You know what I'm saying? Get a friend, you go out and you just work on getting your hands out in front of you and catch it. You can make yourself a better uh, receiver. So I, I loved it, man. Yeah, that must have sounded, that sounds awesome. Steven, what was your favorite team growing up and who was your favorite player? Well, you know, most people don't know I was born in San Antonio, Texas. So, you know, I'm either what Houston Oilers fan back in the day or Dallas Cowgirl, I mean, Cowboy. And as fate would have it, I was a diehard Cowboy fan. And um, I always wanted to play for them until the day I got drafted. I had Tony Dorsett's uh, picture up on my wall. But the day I got drafted by the New York Giants, I said, you know what? I'll like them all the way up to this point. But then after that, it is all blue, baby. But uh, Dallas Cowboys, man, back in the 70s, Roger Staubach, Drew Pearson, um, Golden Richards, these are all receivers that are on that team. And I used to idolize uh, Drew Pearson, who is ironically from New Jersey. And um, I used to try to pattern my game after him, and I wanted to be number 88. And... Um, but then again, man, I, I watched every receiver. Like I tried to put a little Lynn Swan in me, like when I jump over people and stuff and I took gymnastics, I didn't do ballet. I did gymnastics <laughs> so I could become flexible and know how to tumble, even though I already knew how to tumble. But those were uh, some of my favorites, uh, especially they were on TV a lot, Steelers and Cowboys. Yes, they were. They were America's teams in the 70s. <laughs> Steelers are still very relevant, but the Cowboys, they haven't been to the championship in a long time. So, you know, they're not really that relevant. They're only relevant to the media. But you said you did gymnastics. A lot of people don't know you were a three-sport athlete, 
in high school, you played football, track and field, and as you said, gymnastics. What made you want to play gymnastics? Because most people don't just get up and say, you know what? I'm going to go play gymnastics. Yeah. yeah, that's a good question, man. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, I could already tumble. So I we used to do stuff in the neighborhood like a cartwheel. You call somebody out and then they do a cartwheel. Then you do a round off and they do a round off. And then you do a back handspring. And if they do that, okay, now let's go back handspring to a back flip. And then you, we used to challenge each other like that. So I was already an, an accomplished tumbler. And uh, as fate would have it, our... Our football coach was also the gymnastics coach. And he said, hey, we're struggling. I mean, my grades were bad, but they weren't that bad. So I was eligible to participate because they needed some um, extra people. So the coach had already knew I could tumble. So he just taught me a routine. And I did that routine, man, a couple of times. And I got to tell you, I hated gymnastics. It is so quiet in there. You can hear a pin drop. You know, you're doing your, your routine and you have to do a balance move like a scale to make sure you don't wobble. And it's so quiet. I, I didn't enjoy it at all, but it did help my um, tumbling out immensely. So I was never afraid to go across the middle and get low bridge, which is illegal today. Yes, it is for player safety. And exactly. You also played track and field. Did all those three sports, the different kinds of training for gymnastics, football, and again, track and field, help you become the player who you were? Well, yeah, I would say track and field um, was a, a no-brainer to me because I, I already knew that I was kind of fast and quick. And I said, you know what, what can I do to make myself even better? So that's why I went out for track and um, turned out that I was always uh, the third or second fastest on the team. And when we do the relays, I was always on both relays and I was a heck of a field event athlete. I long jumped over uh, uh, 23 feet and I high jumped, what, um, I think 5'11 or six feet, but I was pretty accomplished and I, I enjoyed track. And I always try to tell kids, man, get up there and run some track because they get so caught up thinking, no, I'm just going to get diesel coach. I'm going to lift weights and I'm going to do the ladder drills. And don't get me wrong. Those ladder drills are, are perfect and everything, but you need to get on the track team and get some base running under you because 5'8", 158 pounds made it to the league. And it wasn't because I could bench press 200 pounds 20 times. It was because I ran a 4'340". <laughs> So just something to think about. Speed kills. So you're saying for all those high school football players going to college next year to get an edge up, not just go lift the weights all day, spend hours in the gym, but also run track. You have to, man. If you want the speed, speed is, I don't care what sport you're playing, speed kills. Speed does did kill. Did I mention I played soccer too? You did not. Oh, yeah. I did soccer as well, man, believe it or not. Only for one season. And um, I'll tell you, they run a lot. And what made that game a little easier for me was all I had to do was run down there and kick the ball away from somebody. That was easy to me. Now that I watch soccer and see how exciting it is, man, I wish I could have been that gunner or whatever, whoever that guy is, they give it out there on the point and he gets to throw moves with it and, you know, race to that ball and don't be off sides. So, but it was a lot of fun. I think soccer helped me out. Just doing all those sports uh, will mold you. And then you just find out which one you like the best. But I always say track is a base, man. Always run track for whatever sport you do if you can. So soccer, how did you get into soccer? Did you just <laughs> want to get faster or did you like the sport? You know what? Once again, the coach, I guess, you know, the coaches back then, they saw an athlete in football and track or whatever. And they're like, well, maybe he can do this. Let's try it. And um, that's what happened. The soccer coach approached me and asked me if I wouldn't mind, you know, playing a couple of games. Uh, 
another receiver went with me. He played goalie, which is perfect because think about receivers, what they do. We're going to catch the ball, man. Imagine if Terrell Owens or Randy Moss or those long arms playing a goalie. Nobody would ever get the ball by him. So anyway, I, I tried it. And um, uh, the only thing I didn't like was some of the drills, like when they put the ball in the middle and you got to race your opponent to the ball and see who can kick it first. And when they kick you in the shin, I almost got in a fight the first time, man. That is the worst pain. It always People always ask who hit you the hardest. I always say soccer players when they kick you in the shin. But it was a lot of fun and we didn't win a lot of games. But once again, I, I was doing a lot of running around and you know, I got another notch in my belt with sports. Four sports. I bet you you'll play basketball, tennis, and every other sport possible because you are just the multi-sport athlete yourself. And do you still watch soccer? Um, not only like when the World Cup comes on, and because um, it, it, I can appreciate it, man. Especially they run about eight miles a, a game. I heard something like that. It's like ain't no timeouts or nothing like that. So from that standpoint, especially in the World Cup, when you imagine the the fan base that they have, you know, we think our Super Bowls and everything. Anybody that know anything, soccer World Cup is unbelievable. And I can't even imagine what it must feel like scoring a goal, especially a game winning goal in a world cup you know that that has to be like awesome <laughs> that does have to be awesome yeah i'm just waiting for the u.s to win it that one day the one day the u.s wins it i know the up. women the women always do so well this team is awesome to I'm watch Boy, morgan hope unfortunately some of those players are retiring now and i know but they should get equal pay man i, I they right come on man that's what it's all I, I really I feel it. I don't get why they don't get equal pay. They're better than the men's. We live in the 21st century. Men and women are equal. I, absolutely. And if the men don't like it, start working harder, then you can earn your pay. <laughs> Earlier, you said getting hit in the shin was some of the hardest hits that you <laughs> take it. Now, how does that compare getting hit from Lawrence Taylor? Well, man, linebackers. Whew. When I was a rookie, I'll never forget playing and we have to go against our own first string defense. And it only took me one time to learn. I ran a crossing route and linebackers, they're built like, I don't even want to say, they're built like stone, man. Because if you just touch any part of them, it hurts. So I ran across the middle. First, Harry Carson gave me a shove and knocked me all off my route. And then I get across to the other side and LT bumped into me and just knocked me down. I learned very quickly, get some depth. <laughs> Don't go shallow in front of those guys, try to get behind them. Because I tell you that, like I mentioned earlier, they, they're just like statues when they hit you. Any part of their body hit you, it hurts. I would not want to get hit in the shin or by a <laughs> linebacker. Most importantly, I would not want to get hit by Lawrence Taylor. I would be very scared of him. But mm -hmm. I also really want to meet him. Yeah, he was a good player, though. If you look at all his um, highlights, I always tell people, watch how he always brought down the quarterback. He didn't try to like nail him. He always just drug him down and threw him on the ground and got back up. He, he was a, an excellent defensive player, man. Yes. He, yes, he was. Greatest ever. Greatest I ever. don't even think there's a comparison. So no. you're at Fresno State. A lot of people told you that you wouldn't even make it. And in high school, you still remember you said in an interview with Bob Papa that your history teacher told you that you would never make it. How do people like that motivate you to make the NFL? Well, you know, it, I think it, it, it all comes from within. Like, I always believed that I could play in the NFL. You know, I'll bet some 
things I may have went about foolishly, like thinking I was going to go right out of high school with the bad grades at 145 pounds. But in my heart, I said, if I just got an opportunity, I don't care what level um, in the NFL, I didn't care what round I got drafted. If I could just have an opportunity and show a coach what I can do, because the way I, my work ethic was just try as hard as you can every play in practice too. And, and I figured if I did that and, um, you know, the other God gift abilities I had, the speed and quickness, how could a team deny me? And, you know, shout out to the guys that paved it for us little guys, you know, like well, Lionel Train James, who just passed away. You guys probably don't remember him, but he was an outstanding running back for the, um, the Chargers. He passed away this weekend and he was a little guy, but so it was a, a lot of little guys that before us, like myself and Megan, and um, that paved the way for us. So shout out to them. It was very sad when he passed away. Yeah. You get drafted third round. Did you even think you were going to get drafted? <laughs> well, they said anywhere from first to sixth. Now, back then we had 12 rounds. So I, like I mentioned earlier, I really didn't care what round. Of course, you want to go in first round just so you be noticed one of the best players and, you know, money too. But I honestly said, I don't care. Let me get into a camp so I can show somebody what I can do. So when I was a third round pick, I was very shocked. I'm not even going to lie. I thought I was going to go later. And, you know, the Giants took a chance on me. They said they were looking for a, a big play receiver because I averaged over 25 yards a catch in um, college at Fresno State. And when they drafted me, I was like, all right, cowgirls. I mean, cowboys are done now. I'm a diehard Giants fan. All I could think about was 42nd Street, the Empire State Building, uh, the towers, of course, the Big Apple. You know, I'd never been this far east ever, so it was an exciting time. That was your first time in New York City? Absolutely. And I could not believe how cold it was when I got off that plane. I still remember that shock. And I remember having to pay tolls and stuff. I said, I'm not going to be going anywhere because it, it was so different from Los Angeles. You lived in warm environments your whole life before going to play for the Giants. You lived in Texas. You lived in L.A. And then you lived right outside of San Francisco. Were you like, oh, cold weather? <laughs> have no idea. Why did they even draft me? You know, you know how the, the old saying, he's not built for this. But, you know, they took a chance on me. And of course, I adapted. But I still remember a cold practice the first time. It was like 10 below zero. And we still had to practice outside. I didn't know how to warm my hands up. So I put Vaseline all on my hands, put the glove on, then put my a rubber glove on, then my regular glove. And I went out and I that it froze underneath there for some reason. I dropped every pass in practice, maybe caught one or two. And they tried to end practice with me catching a deep comeback, which was my forte. Called it right through my hands. Parcells blows the whistle, calls everybody up. And he says what he has to say. And then as I'm walking away, he told me, hey, I don't even know why we effing drafted you. And I'm like, oh, I had to go sleep on that and wake up the next morning and watch film with me dropping all them passes. And because um, it was just so cold, but I was trying to do everything perfect, you know, catch with the hands. The next day, man, I got out there, just catch the ball, body catching it. I caught just about every pass the following day. What was it like playing under Coach Parcells and eventually you to play under a legendary Giants head coach, 
Tom Coughlin because Coach Parcells paved the way for the no-nonsense head coaches. If you did something wrong, it didn't matter if you were the star, but the mm-hmm. last guy on the roster hit you with the same crap. That's so true. And you know what? The genius of Parcells, Otis, and I, Otis Anderson and I were just talking about this. He knew what buttons to push on everybody. For instance, he could talk to LT a certain way that wouldn't work for me. Or if he talked to LT about like he talks to me, it wouldn't work on LT. So he knew everybody's, you know, makeup and um, no nonsense. You know, the first time you call him coach or sir, he said, I'm not in the military. You can call me by my first name. That's why you always hear all the players referencing him as Bill, because that's what he demanded. We could call all the coaches by their first name. And um, it was still a sign of respect. You know, some coaches won't allow that. You know, you don't call us, but you call us coach da, 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 and sir and all that. But he was loose in that sense, but he always kept a um, uh, iron fist down on you. For instance, I was catching the ball well for three days. He'll come up and say, hey, Baker, you know what? You're starting to really come around. You're looking good. Then I come right back out and drop one. He'll say, I take it all back. <laughs> and just a little, it was hard to get like, um, what am I looking for? Appreciation from him. You really had to do something extraordinary, which is good how coaches should be because it keeps everybody like this, you know? And everybody knew their role, too. You knew your role on the team. You know, I was a third down receiver. I knew that they brought me in here to do big plays and know your role. And that was my role on the team. And just be ready when I need you. Yes. Be ready and know your role. This year, the current Giants need to know their role. Because (laughs) the Giants have not had a winning record since 2017. I... I don't even know what to think. If Coach Barcells was the coach now, what would he say to this team? Basically, what Joe Judge said, and it didn't happen, talking about holding everybody accountable. You know what I mean? I don't know what their definition of holding accountable is, but Parcells was like, you, if, if you block this punt and get a penalty and they get the ball back, we didn't lose. We lost the game because of you. <laughs> You know, and the old adage used to be, you know, we shouldn't have been in that position in the first place. But no, no, Parcells was, you pass interference somebody on a crucial play, you lost that game. I didn't. So holding everyone accountable. And um, they wouldn't be able to respond to the um, verbal lashing that coaches of old school did. You know what I mean? Some kids aren't built for it. And I kind of blame it on how they're being brought up. Um, you know, some of the, the rules uh, with the parents and all this stuff. It's like, you know, I don't want to say it's getting too soft, but you still need that toughness. You know what I mean? You, you can't have parents coming in. Hey, I don't even talk to my kid that way at home, you know, within reason. Of course, you don't just verbally just curse a kid out, but you know what I mean? Just getting in on them. And it has to be done at the right level. Now, I'm not talking about doing this at uh, Pop Warner, you know what I'm saying? Middle school or higher, but Pop Warner, you got to be easy and let the kids just have fun. I agree. I agree. I, I unfortunately never got to play football. Organized. No? No. But I, I always want to. My parents would never let me. No, did you play flag at all? I, play, I, I played like flag with my friends. There you go. Okay. So I had some sort of football. And do you think that Coach Dable is finally going to bring back this Giants team to Super Bowl glory? And were you a fan of Joe Judge when he got fired? Oh man, with Joe Judge, I um, you know, I really thought he was going. They were going to give him another year. I really did, because that's usually their mo. But I think uh, 
couple of plays kind of sealed his fate when he showed that he wasn't even trying to win the game, just trying not to, you know, just get through it. And um, so I, when he did those questionable plays, I was not shocked what happened. Um, this Gable guy is new to me. I, I had no clue who he is. And my boy Otis Anderson made a good point. He said, look, we got a, a Buffalo GM. We're going to be the Buffalo Giants. Watch what I tell you. And sure enough, correct me if I'm wrong, GM, lineman coach, and head coach so far. And are we the Buffalo New York Giants now? <laughs> no, the Buffalo Bills, back-to-back AFC East champs. Two years ago, they were in the AFC Championship. They're probably going to go to the Super Bowl in the next two years. Maybe it Maybe. breaks the Giants the Super Bowl. I don't know, but you know, I'm I'm believing this team. I'm believing. All they gotta do is believe. And when you went in that Super Bowl run, speaking of Super Bowl aspirations, did you believe that you guys were gonna win and make a run? Because you had a magical run. That's one of the most under-talked about storylines in NFL history. You beat the Bills, who are favored to beat you guys. You have backup quarterback win the Super Bowl for you guys, let alone. And you won it at the last second when Scott Norwood kicked and missed the field goal. Going and oh, and of course, you, you beat the back-to-back champions of the NFL, the Niners. They're going for their 3 P. What was the run like? And then when he got to the playoffs, what was the preparation like that was so, was it different than the regular season or was it the same? Or were you like not allowed to leave the stadium? You're like, okay, Parcells is like, okay, we got, we got the <laughs> roster here. We're not allowed to leave old giant stadium because unfortunately they knocked it down. You guys are here. Tell your families that this is your new <laughs> home until the Super Bowl is over. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So to begin with, <laughs> that was a magical season, man. We uh, started off 10 and 0. It actually felt like we, it felt like I was back in college because <laughs> we stepped on the field. We knew our defense was going to keep us in the game. All we had to do was not turn the ball over and throw interceptions. And sure enough, our defense always kept us in games. And a lot of people don't realize that season, though. Mark Ingram caught 34 passes or 37. That's it. I caught 34. That was it. But we didn't complain. We just went out and we did our jobs. You know, we weren't concerned with like the kids are today. Oh, I'm not getting any targets. If we would have went there to Parcells or Tom Coughlin and said, hey, coach, I'm not getting any targets. All he had to do was give us that look. And then he would have cursed you out. <laughs> so, you know, with the season, though, we I think we lost to we lost to the 49ers first on a Monday night. We were both undefeated going into that game and they beat us on the um I don't know, we were driving down to win the game. It got down to like the 15 or 17 yard line and couldn't punch it in. And I never forget at the end of that game, Parcel said, keep your heads up, man, because we may see these guys again. And then the end of that, then we played Buffalo at home in the rain and Sims gets hurt and he's out. Hosteller comes in, almost makes a miraculous comeback. We come up short and lose to them again. Uh, we lost to them. So fast forward, we win the, our, our division, then we play the um, the Bears, and you know it whole different ball game because you have preseason speed, you got regular season speed, 
then you got playoff speed, man. And you want to talk about that was my first playoff game. And um, the speed of it was incredible how fast these uh, everybody was running and and it's just amped up even more. And we were ready for the challenge and we blew them out, I think, 31 to three or something like that. Then the big game, the rematch, we get San Francisco again, just like Parcel said. And what I love and respect about that game was there was no superstars on our team. All we scored was 15 points, all on kicks by Matt Barr. Everybody made plays where they had to make plays. The play when LT recovers that ball, Eric Howard, a nose tackle, puts nose guard, puts his head on that ball so LT can recover it, a big play. We get the ball back. Mark Ingram looks at me. I look at him. He says, Bake, it's up to us. On that drive, uh, Hosteller hit Bavaro first, then Mark Ingram, and then yours truly, sidelines. They tried to say I pushed off, but trust me, I ran that route so hard, I sprained my ankle because I stopped so hard. I should have broke my ankle. But next play, we centered it with Otis Anderson, who had a great game that it was just, it was ugly football. Gary Reasons, being alert, seeing that there were only 10 men on the field and calling the fake punt. Um, just so many plays in that game by everyone. And I always call that a total team effort. And we beat them by, what, three points, I think? And, you know, they were trying to three-peat. And then it's the Super Bowl. We get another payback, man. And we get to pay them back for beating us at home in the rain. So going into that game, I felt confident. We felt confident. A lot of people didn't because we had a backup quarterback. But what people don't realize when the backup quarterback is doing practice, when we practice dummy uh, offense, for instance, the Redskins, I would put on Gary Clark's number or Art Monk and look at the card and Hostella would be the backup and he would say, bake, let's get them yelled at today. Meaning we're going full speed. We're going to give them a look. We're going to try to make plays and not just go through the motions. And we did that. And Parcells was screaming at him, God damn it. Darn it, line up again, run it. And then we beat him again. He said, get back in the huddle. Get, it's going to happen in the game or whatever. Little did I know that we were developing our timing. So when we both became starters, it was no, we didn't lose a beat. And, uh, you know, if you're looking on the outside, you would be like, wow, Sims is down. Hosteller, he can't lead this team. Meanwhile, Hosteller had a little more mobility, a lot more mobility than Sims. So when he would scramble out of the pocket, it would make it like a street football game, which is what, receivers love just get open so um then we had the best week of practice man we only had one week we didn't have the usual two weeks to get ready for this game so we didn't it, it goes by so fast I don't even kind of remember but I do remember that I had one of the best weeks of practice I've ever had as far as being sharp and of course game time comes and you know you feel like you're running in quicksand until a play happens that wake you up. And my play happened when a ball went off for Howard Cross's fingertips and I just snatched it out of the air. And then it was like the lights came on. I didn't feel like I was in a fog. I felt like I was light and I could run fast. And I'm sure that happens to just about every player. It's called a wake me up play to, to get you going because I can't tell that feeling of being in a game like that you worked all your life for, you just didn't feel right until something snapped, you know? So. Lots of fun, man. Lots of lots of fun. And catching your famous touchdown pass in the Super Bowl, was that your favorite play of all time? 
Absolutely. I always tell people that I've run that route a thousand times, but this time is going to be the best one I ever ran in my life. Technically perfect. And I did everything perfect. And so did our line by blocking. Hosteller made a great read because if he doesn't throw that ball before I turn around, it doesn't work. So when I came out to break as a receiver, you like ball, please be in the air because you don't want to see it leave his hand. And the ball was in the air. And all I had to do was go to it like a magnet. And I didn't try to be perfect. I didn't think about it because that's when you get into trouble and you're like, okay, let me should I put my hand. I, I just cradled it like I've always caught a ball all my life and got both feet down and just had to keep my fingers crossed that they didn't overturn it. But I knew I hit uh, two feet down. That's catching a touchdown in the NFL is amazing for anyone. And then let alone in the playoffs, not even, no, 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 not the playoffs, the Super Bowl. There are NFL greats that are playing the Super Bowl that have never even had a touchdown. Walter Payton has never had a touchdown. I know, man. Think about that. You have more great Walter Payton. Obviously, he was a running back and you a receiver. Totally different. But, you know, you were saying, you know, earlier that it, your offense was very low scoring back then. And you guys scored 15 points. Do you think if you played in today's NFL you would be a you would not be a diva quote unquote receiver and would you have social media okay now coach pope who used to be a coach here with us a tight ends coach and he was still around the league about four years maybe three or four years ago and he knew my talent and when he came up to me in this old age and said bake if you was playing now you have no idea how many yards you would have because they can't touch you and all the rule changes and whatnot. And that made me feel pretty good because back in our day, man, we had to fight. Um, matter of fact, to make the team, you run routes one-on-one off coverage. You could kill people all day. And that's what I was doing. And Parcel said, all right, put Perry on him, which is Perry Williams, who's six foot two. And then he said, put him in press. <laughs> Meaning if I can't get off the line of scrimmage, I can't play here. And like I mentioned earlier about having that, mental fortitude like I belong here I'm like I don't care bring Perry up here I'm gonna give him the same treatment and I didn't say that to myself I didn't say it out loud so Perry comes up in my face and I'm so silly I'm thinking you can't get away from anybody if they get right up on you on your toes and I tried to get off and Perry got me underneath here like this man and just threw me all around next time up I said I want Perry again and this time I'm going to be a Z receiver, meaning I could step off the ball. So I took a step back. Now I got some room and I gave him my best move, got into his kitchen, as we call it, and got out of it and went down the sideline and Sims overthrew me by an inch. But I think I impressed coach because I got off clean and I did die for the ball, which on that turf back in the day, man, one dive, it was all pink here. <laughs> that would not be good if you got all that pink on your arm. Oh, man. And make a grown, make a 320 pound lineman squeal in the shower <laughs> and burns back in the day. Yeah, I would not want to get one of those burns in present day. And <laughs> you said earlier that Coach Pope told you that you would be a superstar today. Do you think, in your opinion, that today's NFL is easier than when you played? You know what? I'll say this. The, the rule changes make it a little, I, I'm going to say, yeah, it makes it easier for receivers. When you think about it, if you're going across the middle and you don't have to worry now that somebody's going to low bridge you and go underneath your legs and make you do a backflip and land on your neck if you don't know how to tumble, 
you don't even have to worry about that. You're running the slant route. You know, at least you know that they're not trying to purposely go at your face mask like they used to back in the day. So in that sense, it, it is easier. And it's also safer. I, I get that part too. When you see some of our older guys that are suffering now with CTE, you know, you see why, you know, some things I really love, like the concussion protocol is like excellent to me. It's taken out of the team's hands. You go in there, you do this, you can play. If not, you don't play. I think that is huge. But as far as um, easier, you know, you still got to run the routes. And I do believe it's become more of an offensive game. I really feel bad for my defensive back sometimes. I know that's funny, but I play Madden too, and they make us so sorry on the game, man. It, it hurts me. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> yeah, I totally agree with the concussion protocol. So <laughs> you're a Madden guy. What do you think of the game? And do you think they can have any improvements? Because a lot of people think they can have some improvements. And what team do you use in Madden? <laughs> Here's what deal on Madden, man. I love the game. It's love-hate. I just lost today because it because I know that it's called a rubber band effect. You win about four or five online games in a row. That sixth game, it's like nothing you can do will be right. And I know they don't put some type of algorithm in there to make that happen because whenever I get on a three or four game online winning streak, all this stupid stuff start happening to me. Fumbling the ball with Daniel Jones, you know, fourth down, I go for it. He fumbles at the inch line and the guy gets the ball. So Madden can drive me crazy. But then when I'm playing against somebody and they can't stop me and I'm doing this archaic offense, I don't do the meta. I do something I just made up and it's just killing them. You can't dip, you can't uh, replicate that feeling. So I love Madden and I'll buy it every year. I still bought since the first one ever came out. I've been buying Madden every year. I got out this year. I just like wish they would improve the franchise mode a little bit and bring back all time teams. Oh. And if they had all time teams, would you play as yourself? You have no idea, man. Because you know, back in the day, they did. They had the 90 Giants on there, the 86 Giants, and had all the Super Bowl teams on there. I used to match them up, and I don't know why they stopped that. But I would definitely be using my team. And, of course, if they get the numbers right. But, you know, we can also create our own teams, too. And But it just takes a, a long time. But it's not like the same of having them there, like the 90 Giants playing against and online and stuff. But love me some Madden, bro. Yeah, yeah, we got we got to play sometime. Maybe maybe we we can play. Are you on Xbox or PS Five? I'm on Xbox. Guy. Are you Xbox? Yeah, I didn't get the new Xbox, so I got the one. I have I have the I didn't get the new one either. Oh, well, cool! So you can get that work too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll, we we'll, we'll play. You know, I usually use the Giants. We got we got maybe use. Well, I can use the Colts. I can rock the Colts. You're a Colts. Uh, how come you're the Colts? Do you like to run with Jonathan Taylor? No, no, no. I'm just saying. So I I, I usually use the Giants. But we'll flip a coin and see who can who gets the Giants. And then all right, not, all right, all right. If, we have all another right, we'll awesome see. Team. We'll see. All right. Okay. <laughs> so you like to play Madden. What other things do you do post playing career with the Giants? Well, it's a, a great opportunity to do like community work. You know, the Giants always kept us busy and in the schools. I worked in the school system for about 12, 15 years. I coached high school track for <laughs> probably 17 years. And football, I only did for four years, but it, it was fun. But some certain things I just didn't like. I prefer working with kids one-on-one, -on -one, like in a camp environment, teaching them how to run routes versus being part of a team. Um, 
But as you see behind me, I'm, I have remote control planes. I got helicopters over there too. <laughs> awesome setup, and, dude. No, thank you. And I have a racing simulator over here with Gran Turismo 7 on here with the steering wheel and everything. And I'm always been like a big nerd, man. I love NASA. I love stuff like this. And um, hey, at the end of the day, man, it's all about what makes you happy. Agreed, agreed. The draft is coming up in a little over a month, about a month and a half at the time of recording. The Giants currently have the fifth overall selection and the seventh overall selection. Who do you draft? Okay, I don't know the names, but I'm just going to tell you this. We better not draft a skill position. I, that, I mean, that's just common sense. They, I, they know, they know. They, so it better be the baddest offensive lineman that's out there, this left tackle, and somebody who's nasty, man, because Bill Parcells always said it best. One day was struggling the offensive line. He called him over. We're in the gut blank rule book does it say you guys have to be the nice guys meaning you know what just because they defense and talking all that noise you can do it right back and just you know what i'm saying we need somebody nasty at left tackle that's going to protect daniel jones and um i don't know who that kid is but i hope that they, the giants are looking at that type of criteria because you need we need a beast over there we don't need a nice guy <laughs> i'm considering that andrew he's a lot of future again He's got an injury problem and did not play well his first year at all. He was just not good. But his second year, he showed a lot of promise. So I'm going to give him another chance. If okay. I was Joe Shane, this is what I would do. You can agree with me if you don't. It's okay. I would, if I pray for this, I, I pray for this, Stephen, <laughs> this would happen. The fifth overall selection, the New York Giants okay. draft, Kayvon Thibodeau, second best defensive player in the draft. I would take him in a heartbeat at five. You have him and Aziz with your edge rushers. Get your defense better because let's be clear, they did not sack the quarterback at all last year. They were terrible at that. And as you know, they win football games by sacking the quarterback. And then you trade down a couple picks and draft center out of Iowa, Tyler Limbaugh. Because mm. I think the Giants, they're rebuilding. You want to have a lot of draft picks. And Tyler Limbaugh is going to be ready day one for the Giants. And the Giants are at a position where they're not always with potential of the linemen. They want people who can protect Daniel Jones day one. Wow. i tell you what, that's very good observation, bro. I'm impressed. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and if you recall, the owner even said that, right, about Daniel Jones, that we got to surround this kid with um, better talent. And Man, that scenario you just mentioned, you know your stuff, man. That was awesome. And I agree with you 100,000%. <laughs> and no skill players in the first round. Uh, no, it, it don't make sense because they're not going to be able to do anything. <laughs> like, I like a Darius Tony, but he's like, like, why did you draft him last year? I, I was furious. Uh, you too. Me too. <laughs> I'm like, okay, they're going to draft. Uh, Quiddy Pay at at, at a Michigan or Aziz, which we wound up getting Aziz in the second round. I'm like, <laughs> I dropped my remote. I'm like, what the? <laughs> I didn't even know what to think. I didn't even know to boo or anything. I'm like, okay, you draft the receiver. Okay, that's fine. You draft Elijah Moore, um, Rashad Bateman, one of those two. But Kadarius Tony, <laughs> who has a lot of potential. Don't get me wrong, but the Giants are in no way a position 
for a receiver like that. Absolutely. And I, I echo what you said to my jaw dropped and I saw his highlights and everything. I'm like, okay, he does have all these shiftiness and whatnot, but you know what? He has to learn how to stay healthy. And he had a little spat today with the Cowboys that kind of rubbed me the wrong way when he um, got into that little fighting match. You know what I mean? And thank God the coach went out there and nipped it in the bud right away. And hopefully we're not dealing with another discipline problem like Mr. Odell. Are you not an Odell fan? <laughs> I'm a fan of his talent. Okay. I, I can't deny him that because I will say he runs emphatic routes like I used to, meaning you really get on it when you're doing it. You don't, he, he doesn't just half-ass his routes. Um, but some of his added uh, antics, he's gotten better now. Uh, but a couple of things that he did just rubbed us old players the wrong way far as just saying screw the team i'm gonna get this and do it. you know a game i'm talking about too i think i think i know a game you're talking about at home against the panthers was it the panthers no it was yeah no nope. yup or i was gonna think of when when he had his little debacle with the kicking net oh god that was funny to me so especially funny. the memes right the memes was... like i ain't no punk i ain't no punk b i'm gonna kick your butt <laughs> like, no like okay i think odell could have still been on this Giants team if they had a receiver, if they still, okay, not receiver, if they still had Victor Cruz with him, because I think Victor was supposed to be that mentor to get all that quote unquote divaness out of him to be the football player that he should have been. Mm -hmm. I agree. I, I, when they traded him, I was furious. I was mad, but I understood why. Yeah. But the Giants won that trade. I was happy for him. He's one of my favorite players ever. Tied for one. I, I just love watching him. I just think the Giants were never the same when they got rid of him. Hmm. Well, I mean, we definitely did lose a lot. But if you recall, if you knew, like, you know, Giant culture and how, I don't want to say stiff they are, but how how they yeah. are, that, that type of behavior. Like, for instance, as soon as he got his extension with the Giants, you know, Aaron Rodgers had gotten his extension as well. But you didn't see Aaron Rodgers on Instagram with music in the background, talk, playing a song, dancing, talking about just got paid. Yeah, I agree with you. Look, if you want to trade him, then do it before you spent all that money. That that That's was true. another thing that bothered me. I said, okay, yeah. I see the Giants are rebuilding. Do you think he's on the team next year? You need to draft line and defensive line. The lines build the team, and then you grow it from there. As great of a talent as Daniel Jones can be, you're never going to get his full potential if you don't have the line. I don't know if he is the answer. I personally am going to give him one more final year, but if this is not it, I'm calling a quits on him. I'm drafting a quarterback one, two, three next year. Yeah, I agree. And um, I heard they didn't pick up his option, right? Yeah. So that, there it is. We're going to find out what type of person you are deep down inside too, because some of these kids don't, they can't handle stuff like that, you know, because they built a little different from older guys. Like we're going to see how big his heart is now. Not you always pull for a guy, you know what I mean? You don't want to see anybody. So I'm pulling for him just as you are, but this is definitely a make or break year for him. 100%. And as we wrap up, is there an NFL player in the league that reminds you of you? <laughs> oh my goodness. Who would I say? You know, when Edelman was playing, 
I always wish I could have been him because the the routes that he runs and he's just like the silent killer. And if I was playing in today's game, I think I would have been him. How did I know who you were going to pick Edelman? I'm like, when I'm thinking about that question in my head, I'm like, he's going to pick Edelman. He's going to pick Edelman. I mean, he runs that speedy, undersized guy who could always knows what their job is. That's it. A safety blank. You were, you were, you were the Giants Edelman. Absolutely. Team player too. And just all class. And, you know, I, I, I really love him and I love Larry um, Fitzgerald's the way he played too far as, you know, I, I don't get off on all the flashy stuff, man, because I wasn't that type of guy. And when you're more concerned with being flashy than winning, that that's a problem to me. Like your whole goal is to do an end zone dance when you're playing in the game, or is it to win the game? <laughs> and I, some of these kids today just just rub me the wrong way, but I like little man from the um, Bills as well. It came from the Cowboys. Oh. Yeah, Cole Beasley. Cole Beasley. Five yeah, eight. I don't know. There's just something about him from the Cowboys. I just like. No man, I he's still, a good little receiver. No, he, he no, he's very good. And my whole thing with receivers talking the talk. If you could talk the talk, you gotta walk the walk. If you walk yeah. it and talk it, talk it as much as you want. And you know what, though? I always look at those situations and always see when is it going to come back to bite him in the butt. And, for instance, I saw it in the Cincinnati game. Receiver got into it, a defensive back on the sideline and started mouthing off to him. He started it, the receiver. Sure enough, later on that drive, they throw him a deep out, wide open, and he dropped it. Tired I'm like, him. okay, I think that DB got in your head. You're so worried about this. that. I, and like you said, if you can't back it up. Can't back it up. We're going to walk it. And was that game Tyreek Hill, the Chiefs game? Um, it was a Cincinnati game, yes, when they played the Chiefs. It was a, a receiver for the um, Cincinnati, though, that was doing the jawing. Wow. Yeah, just that's a little stuff that – Yeah, I, 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 I get that. I get that. I, there are some players in the NFL that also rub me the wrong way. Yeah. Like that. <laughs> I don't know. Like, I, it's just like – I don't know. But, Stephen, thank you for coming on today. It's episode of Prince of the Pod. Let's go, Giants. Hope to see in this day and this year, and hope to see yes the Lombardi back at MetLife Stadium. And you're getting your Lombardi out for us. Let's go. One day, one day, we got to get them back on their winning ways again, man. One day, we're gonna. One day, <laughs> one day, me and you with the Giants. Maybe this year, maybe next year. Five times Super Bowl champions. Hopefully soon, and we'll be holding the Lombardi. Yes. Hey, good, great job today, man, and. Anytime, all right? You just give me a shout. Thank you. Have a thank you. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening today.